A real hillbilly I am. <laughs> I'm as nervous as a hillbilly in front of the pay toilet right now, I'll tell you. <laughs> Hell, my damn chair fell apart and Christine's clothes fell off. And I mean, it's, it's starting off with a bang. Huh? I'm allergic to alcohol. When I drink it, I break out in a drunk. And, uh, when I, hey, you, know, uh, you know, at the end of my drinking, uh, I used to have this problem. I was, a, I was a blackout drinker, and, and before I'd open my eyes, I'd reach over and touch the floor. And, uh, you know, if, it, if it's that cold concrete, I know that I'd had a bad night. <laughs> And, and if it's that uh, linoleum, maybe not too bad. And if it's that carpet, man, I'd, I'd open my eyes right away and, and jump up out of bed, and then I'd run to the window because, see, if I run to the window and I looked out the window and my car was there, that's a spiritual awakening. <laughs> and if the fenders were on it, I'd really done good, boy. You know, not stuck in a trunk like hillbillies do. You know, <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're going to rock and roll through this thing tonight and have us a party. This is going to be fun, I'm telling you. <laughs> You know, I sat in here, you know, uh, sharing experience, strength, and hope before the meeting, and uh, my lovely cheerleaders here, uh, Noreen, had uh, went on my first 12-step uh, call with me, and uh, we were sharing, and uh, you know what, uh, John Daly, uh, Tony, the Daly boys, uh, Tony here's doing a wonderful job, he's just a cheeseburger short of a fun meal, and, uh, <laughs> you know, good old boy, though, good old boy, and, and then you got the other Daly, John Daly, and... Uh, he, uh, uh, he, he's, uh, sales, he travels a lot, and, uh, he was traveling through town, and he, uh, stopped at, at a golf course, uh, a country club, and he's gonna play a few rounds of golf, and he's down in the locker room there, he played a few rounds of golf, and, and, uh, he's down there taking a shower, and some hillbilly comes through and stole his clothes while he was taking a shower, and he comes out, and all he's got is a little face towel. So John don't know what to do with this face towel, because across the golf course is his car. And in his car, he's got to change the clothes, so he can put the face towel up here, and put the face towel down here, and, well, nobody knows him, but anyway, uh, John chooses to put the face towel over his face, and he goes running for his car across the golf course, streaking. And uh, the sad part about this deal was is we had Noreen, Liz, and Pam sitting out in the garden. They was having cocktails. <laughs> and uh, as he come running across the golf course, well, you know, Pam had had a few cocktails, just a couple, and uh, she said, well, that's not my husband. And uh, John goes on around the corner there. Well, then Noreen sees him and says, ah, it's not my husband. And Liz, she'd had about four cocktails, and, and uh, Liz says, hell, he don't even belong to the country club. <laughs> yeah. You go, girl. <laughs> oh, Lord. We're going to talk about alcohol tonight. I'm telling you what. Have you ever been in that love affair with that he or she, and, and they, uh, they go up in there, and they grab that heart, and they tear it out, and you say... Never, ever again will I let anybody hurt me like that and tear my heart out. And, and, uh, and you know, and you're sitting there on the couch and uh, y'all uh, hungry, angry, lonely, sorry, is that a horny, ha horny, angry, lonely, halt. <coughs> and uh, you're sitting there on the couch and the phone rings and you pick it up and, hello, darling, one more time. It's going to be different this time. It's going to be different. And, and, uh, and you go again. That's why I used to drink alcohol. You know, it's going to be different this time. And I don't know if any of you have ever done it or not. I used to sit up there and look at the bar. I, I love the mirrors. You know, you'd be sitting up there at that bar and you'd be drinking some of that smooth Tennessee whiskey, maybe sweet strawberry wine, maybe a glass of warm brandy, you know, you're sitting there and, you, and uh, you're looking in that mirror and, damn, you're looking so good, you know, and uh, <laughs> about a gallon of chili on your and you know, you're looking in there, woo, mercy, baby. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you're looking down the bar there, and down the end of the bar there's a cocktail waitress with a Dolly Parton wig, and you think, ah, me and her would be good together, and you get a, a few more drinks in you, and then, you coast down to the end of the bar and you flip that quarter in that jukebox and, you know, you're going to ride off into the sunset and life's going to be good. 
and then you're reaching over touching the floor to see what it is, a cold concrete, a linoleum, or carpet. And that's the way my evenings ended. You know, I never ended up with her. I don't know what happened. Or you might, you know, I like tequila and speed. That went real well with me. A little amyl nitrate, I might hit a hit of that or something. You know, something to get me just right. According to, I've heard people say it's hard to, uh, to quit drinking. Damn, I don't know where you drink at. Where I drink at is hard to drink. I mean, get that stuff right. You know, you, you stand there, you're looking at that mirror, and you're doing that old tequila, and you're eating that speed, and you're getting... You're looking in that mirror and you become about 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And you say, boy, I'm right tonight. I'm going to kill these. You're looking at me, oh, God, dear. You know, 130 pound ringing web, but you're going to whip the bar. You're going to clean it up here. And, and then you reach over and you're touching the floor again. And here we go again, boy. You know, I, uh, I remember my first drink of alcohol. Uh, my dad was a great big old John Wayne farmer and he run about 1,400 head of cattle. And, uh, and I always want to be just like my dad. I've heard people say, I never want to be like my dad. And I always leave it alone, boy. And I, <laughs> I'm on a roll. <laughs> and uh, I, I always want to be just like my daddy. I darted, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I remember I turned that jug of beer up at that old farmhouse we lived in. I turned that quart bottle of beer up, and, and that magic, boy, went down inside of me in that glow. And, God, I loved it. Loved everything about it. I found out, a, you know, uh, I'd like to tell you my first love was some little blonde-headed, blue-eyed girl, and, and uh, we rode off in the sunset. But it wasn't. It was some uh, quart bottle of beer. And, uh, you know, in the early days, it was fun. And then it became a habit, and then it became a necessity. Same thing when I started coming around Alcoholics Anonymous. It was a pure necessity. Jimmy Swagger didn't want me. Nobody had me. And, and I, I stumbled into these rooms out of pure necessity. And then uh, it became a habit stopping off, you know, because, you know, I liked it. And today, I, I dearly love it. And, and a host of friends, I, friends I just never dreamed I'd have as many people that wanted to even hear anything I got to say, especially. But, you know, and... Uh, I mean, it's alcohol, boy. If you, you know, and I dearly loved it. I really did. I mean, you know, when you, I'd grab it. Have you ever woke up in the front seat of a car, you know, and you're sitting there and you're hugging on her? And uh, God darn, life's good. You just love it. And, and, and you pass out in the front seat of your car and, and, you, and you wake up and, you know, you've been eating that pickle bologna and them hard-boiled eggs. And, and it, it wasn't just right. It didn't. Life wasn't good that night. And, and you're holding on that bottle and, and uh, it starts going. It's rolling and you, and you dive for the window and the window's up and you... <laughs> And, it, and, it, and it, it's all over the window. <laughs> and then you swoosh, 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 you roll the window down. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, mercy is life good. You know, I, I, oh, boy, I'm telling you what. <laughs> oh, mercy. You know, uh, life goes on. Man, I never got in no trouble. I was, I was probably 16 years old. I saved up my money and bought an old car and I went to town and, uh, and me and some boys and uh, had us some beer and run in the back of an old man and I... Uh, and uh, he jumped out with his knife, and I jumped out with my knife, and it was the first time I ever heard of slamming another door. And I remember going to jail, and uh, Mom coming up there and saying, my boy, it wasn't my boy, and that mean old guy and everything, and they got me out of jail, and after about 100 times, they got tired of that. But, you know, that's, uh, that was the first time, and uh, there used to be an old rock quarry down there where we lived at it. We used to uh, hang out and drink. You didn't have all the nightclubs like you got up here down there in Kentucky. Where we drank in these gravel pits. There used to be a train that would come through this gravel pit, and I'd... We'd throw rocks at that train. And my goal in life was to hit that conductor. He'd come there, he'd be, he, he knew sign language. He would hang out the window and give me some sign language. And, and all of us boys would throw rocks at the train. They'd cuss and holler at us. We'd cuss and holler at them. And one time he'd come through and I'd ride back to the rock. And I was from here, them doors back. I couldn't do it again in a million years. And I'd throw a rock and it went right through the train window and hit him just as pretty as you please. And, and uh, I'm sitting at home and, and uh, I guess that's the first time I ever got ratted on. They knew all the punk kids around town there, so they went to them. They said, Jimmy did it, Jim did it, and here they come running, and they took me up there and locked me up, and I'm laying there in jail, and they come in, and uh, 
And they said, uh, you know what you uh, did? And I said, yeah, you know, I'll be out of here in a minute. And they said, uh, well, you know that guy's paralyzed? And I said, no. And they said, you know who it was? And it was one of my best friend's dad who was driving the train. And I always said all through my drinking, I'm not hurting nobody but me. Uh, so, you know, let me drink and let me have fun. I'm not hurting there. I've already injured somebody with my drinking in my early teens uh, growing up. And, and it never, uh, it just never got no better. The trouble just kept on coming to me. Uh, you know, I used to be a bunch of boys that run around town there that was older than me. And uh, they all had nice cars and they all dressed nice and uh, looked good. And they slept all day and run all night. And I want to be just like them when I grow up. And, and I started running around Burleson and I, and uh, y'all never forget it. The first truck I ever stole. Uh, me and uh, Buddy Marion, we stole a we stole a truck to go strip a car, and uh, we. <laughs> my brother, my brother just come in from Vietnam, and he was in Fort Knox, and we stole this truck to go strip this car. And we're over and we're stripping this car, and we're doing a hell of a job. I mean, we done had this thing down on the rims, and life was good, and was loading the truck up, and it run out of gas. And we're sitting there with stolen truck, stolen car, and here comes some headlights, and it was my brother, and I can. Uh, my brother, is a uh, older brother, has always been there for me and just a fine fellow. And he, uh, he didn't want no part of it. He took us to get some gas. That was the first incident. I, and uh, with these boys I was running with, uh, that's how they, they dressed nice and looked good and drove hot rod cars. They was thieves. And uh, what they would do is they, they'd, uh, they'd come to Ohio and Indiana and Tennessee, wherever, and, and steal cars. We'd take them up creek beds or up the road somewhere and steal the parts and sell them and use the parts on our cars. And uh, it worked out pretty good, but it's against the law. And uh, no matter how exciting it is driving away and getting shot at it, it's against the law. And, uh, uh, you know, so that career was short. Uh, it was very short. I remember uh, we was up in Oak Creek bed down there, and, and uh, I heard rustling in the bushes. And uh, I guess that's the first time somebody shot at me and wanted to kill me, and a tree exploded by my head. And, and I knew they wanted to kill us, and we swam the river. And anyway, they caught up with us because they knew who we were. And we go to court, and other boys were older than me, and I wasn't 18 yet. And they told them boys to... Uh, uh, you know they, where they were going and where they did go and they went to penitentiary and they told me that if I didn't pack a duffel bag and leave the state of Kentucky with five years probation and uh, where I was going so I packed my duffel bag and um, and left the state of Kentucky and I had a brother who lived in Cincinnati my older brother and I remember leaving Kentucky and my drinking was so bad and my mother told me said Jim if you don't quit coming around me drinking I'm gonna kill myself and I and I remember the district attorney put his hand on my shoulder and said, son, if you ever come back, we're going to lock you up for a long time. And that's how I left the state of Kentucky and moved into my brother's basement. I was living with him, and I behaved real good for a little while. And uh, I got a real good job. I suppose I got a real good job. I worked there for 19 years. I paid good money and uh, lived in his basement. We'd go to work, and after work, we'd pick up some beer, and we'd go home and drink the beer, and life was good. Until one day I was working on this uh, assembly line, and, and a guy beside me said, Jim, would you like to go out and have a drink? After work. Now, have you heard them idiots that said, uh, let's have a drink, you know, and they take a drink, and, oh, I'm starting to feel it, uh, I better quit, and, you know, <laughs> fool, I'm starting to feel it, I'm going to drink, you know, <laughs> idiot, <laughs> I love it, like a little pig and slop, I was always the first one at the trough, too, <laughs> and I bellied, uh, you know, we went over that bar, and I'll never forget it, we kicked that door open, boy, and that smoke, and I tell you what, and them dim lights, and that music playing, and the honeys are dancing, and I thought I died and went to heaven. The magic is back again. I tell you what, I found the treasures of heaven right here. And, uh, and I belly up to the bar. And you know, the damnedest thing happened to me is I woke up in a, a dog cage over Norwood and had a split log, a split log for a pillow, and they called it a jail. <laughs> I said, well, amazing. They got them in Cincinnati, don't they? <laughs> well, anyway, I, that thing was going. And I was just getting in trouble. You, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I, I didn't realize I was about four years sober, the anger and the hate and the rage was inside of me when I was drinking. And, uh, and it's like, you know, you set a glass of water up here and just let it sit there, it's going to get stale. So if you pour a little bit of that water out and put a little bit of fresh in, that glass of water will last forever. And that's why I'm up here talking tonight. I'm going to dump a little bit of old sick Jim out, let a little bit of God in, and I think I can stay sober another day. And that's, that's the way it happens. You know, it's, it's uh, one alcoholic working with another. That's the way it all started. You know, you, you got one hand reaching for the drunk and the other hand reaching for God, and you can't drink. Your hands are tied up. And that's what it's about. You know, we can philosophize and do everything we want to do, but let's keep it simple. You know, and I, I see people, I sit in meetings, I see them, they got the big book, and their knuckles are white, and they just clenching onto that bad boy, and they say, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this, I'm going to do this. And, and when they talk about working, and, and I, it scares me to death. I'm not into work. I don't like working today. I'm, <laughs> I'm lazy. I'm lazy. What I found out is I, <laughs> I got to run with a bunch of suckers in AA that like to be happy. They laugh, they cut up, and they have fun with their clothes on. I mean, you know, all, <laughs> grant you, you know, when I got sober, I knew, I knew for a fact that all of my ups and downs were not going to be under the covers. I knew there was going to be some bad times. It, it's like a heartbeat, you know, it goes up and down. When that bad boy levels out, you're dead, you're dead, you know. So, yeah, you know, that's life. That has nothing to do with drinking, really, you know, I don't know. But, you know, I, God, I love them bars. I swear I did, and them honky-tonk angels. I knew one of them would turn my world around or at least rock it, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I was up there one of these uh, queens. I was in a, a do drop in up there, and she was dancing. And I remember telling her, I said, uh, you know what you do? You tell them, you know, you want it all the old country line, whatever you got to tell them to get them where you want them. <laughs> and I was buying her them drinks and feeding her all that garbage and told her if I was a jukebox and use a record, I'd play you all night long, baby. And, you know, I'm going to kidnap you, honey. We're, we're, you like it, huh? <laughs> it worked. We woke up in Jellicoe, Tennessee. <laughs> Don't give me that. <laughs> You girls don't know how bad you were. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, you woke up and looked at me, then you knew how bad you were. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but I did. I kidnapped that girl, took her hostage. And, uh, and we woke up down in Jellicoe, Tennessee, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I said, where are we at, and what are we doing? And she said, we're getting married, and I said, we're going home. <laughs> Long drive back Cincinnati. <laughs> but we made it. We made it in one piece. One of my number of incidents I, uh, in my blackout drinking that I did. And, uh, but my drinking was getting pretty bad. And this anger and rage it was inside of me. And I sat down to Oak Street, a clubhouse at uh, the uh, Friday Night Brain Damage Group. is my home group. And uh, never guessed that, would you? <clears throat> but uh, that, uh, I was hanging out down there at the clubhouse one time. And I sat there like an old big bullfrog up there at the table all humped up. And my sponsor came in. And he said, who in the world are you mad at, boy? And nobody. And uh, that's when they started working on me. And I'll never forget it. They, they made me uh, this stupid stuff. You know, I, I prayed all the time. I really did. I was very spiritual. I mean, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've sat in front of that commode many a times. Oh, God, get me out of this. I'll never do it again. Huh? <laughs> You're going, oh, God, I hope she ain't there. <laughs> She's going to hurt me. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, that's life in a big city. You know, we rock and roll down this thing here. Boy, I'm telling you what, life, it's good. Life's good today. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, and I was sitting there, and they started working on me, and they said, Jim, you know how to pray, you know, and I, I told them how I prayed. And, and they said, you start, when you get home tonight, you know, you, get, uh, you take your uh, boots off, and you stick them up under the bed, and you say, God, thank you for day sobriety. And then when you get up in the morning, you, pull your, you get on your knees, you pull them boots out under your bed, and you say, God, help me through another day's sobriety. And that's how I learned to pray, and, hey, hey, I, you know, I, and it was very sincere when I did it. And I hated myself. I was sitting there humped up like a big toad frog. 
there at that meeting was because I hated myself. I was mad at the world, but it was me. I hated it. It wasn't nobody else. I used to think when I sat in them bars and, and fight and kick and gouge, it, it was me. You know, I thought everybody's being mean to me, and it wasn't. It was me. And I remember they used to make me look in the mirror and say, Jim, I love you. Oh, God. That was, that was bad. And they said, we want you to look at them dead eyes. And I remember I look in that mirror, and I say, Jim, I love you. And I go home, and, you know, finally my sponsor was giving a lead one time, and he said, uh, he said, you know, I told Jim to start looking in the mirror and say, Jim, I, I love you. And he said, finally, he learned to love himself. Now I can't keep his hands off himself. <laughs> you know, I, that's, it's very true that sponsors, they need us. Sponsors need us. They, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I was in a meeting one time, and on one side, this guy's been sober 99 million years, and on the other side, the guy couldn't stay sober. And this guy sent over slinging snot. And he got a, I got a big list of numbers, and I just won't call. I don't know why I won't call. I won't call, and I won't call nobody. And the old guy sitting on the other side of me, he said, I used to be just like you. And uh, the boy said, well, what did you do? And he said, well, one time I wanted to drink real bad. And he said, I'm driving up the road, and I'm going to get a drink. And I look over there in the barn, and there's my sponsor. And he's over in his barn. He's whipping the driveway and pulling into the barn. And I say, Sam, I want a drink so bad I can't stand it. And Sam said, well, you're right on time because I was fixing to hang myself. And <laughs> I'll tell you what, boy. <laughs> when I first got sober, and I'm not wearing it tonight, but I got a belt that I've had uh, probably 15 years. And it's got my name on the back, Jim. And uh, my, my sponsor's name is Jim. I got two, two sponsors, Jim and Bob, and they both, well, they sponsor each other's sponsor. We sponsor everybody. We sponsor each other. And anyway, his name's Jim, too. We're on vacation. No goodness. You like that, huh? Woo! But anyway, we're, we're on vacation down in Gatlinburg, and we're going up the street, and, and uh, they got these belts hanging there. And, uh, and Jim says, I want you to buy a belt with your name on it. And I get a belt and a gym, and I put it on. And I said, now, now, why did I do that? And he said, so when you get your head out of your ass, you know who you are. <laughs> Wait. He gets a belt with Jim on it. His name's Jim. He puts it on. And I said, I got this sucker. And I said, now, why'd you do that? And he said, so when you get your head out of my ass, you know who I am. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> For playing anything, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, uh, life's a dance. You learn as you go, and sometimes you lead, and sometimes you follow. And I tell you what, I don't know where this lead's going tonight, but I hope one of you stays sober because that's why I'm here tonight. So I'll stay sober another day. Um, but you know, with my drinking and the anger and the rage, and, and I, I remember one time I, I was in a parking garage, and a bunch of us was in this garage, and we got in this vicious fight, and and. Uh, and this guy ducked, and I knocked my buddy's brains out. He had to have a steel plate put in his head. And the guy that ducked, I mean, we held him down and cut his throat. And we was cutting his throat, and he was bleeding all over the parking lot. And the police came in, and they're holding me down, and they pump a shotgun in my face, and the dog slobbered on me. They said, if you move, we're going to kill you, son. And I kept jerking and moving because I wanted to die. And that's the way the end of my drinking was, was I suicidal. I wanted to die. I didn't want to live no longer because alcohol had raped me of my life. As I... But my drinking, uh, you know, my brother had a house, a dog, a cat, a wife, and kids, and, and life was good. Life was good. And I thought, well, now maybe if I tried that, maybe my life would turn around. These are the methods I tried. And so I go find a wife, and, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> wife number one. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, 
I, I, found, I found this girl, and a, a beautiful lady, beautiful lady. She's 16 years old. And uh, don't ask me how old I was. <laughs> 20, I think. <clears throat> but anyway, we start, you know, we started dating, and her dad told me, he said, if you come around until she's 18 years old, you can have her. Well, now we had the perfect relationship because she's 16 years old, and I had to have her back home by 11 o'clock. So we could go out all day and run around and party and have fun, and then I could drop her off at 11 o'clock, and I could stay out drunk all night, and they thought I was a good old boy. And it, it worked out pretty good. And, and she turned 18, and we did get married. And uh, life was good. I celebrated. I had gone two or three days, and I come back, she's mad. I, I don't know what. Bad attitude, you know. <laughs> so, you know, so, uh, you know, I said, well, I know, the, I know the problem here. We got an issue. We'll get some tissues and take care of this issue. And uh, so what we've done is uh, we got a little ranch house. We moved in that little ranch house, and I celebrated and gone three or four days, come on. She's mad again. I can't make this damn woman happy. And she, I, I don't think she understands why I'm out, you know, celebrating. <laughs> and uh, so I said, we'll get me and you and the milkman, the milkman, we'll get a baby boy. That'll work. And uh, we had a baby boy, Jamie, and... I celebrate. She got mad again. I said, well, shit. You know, can't make this woman happy. So we got a big two-story house. This, that ought to help things a little bit. So we get this two-story house, and we move in there. And she gets mad again because I'm out celebrating. And, you know, and then I get a baby girl and go celebrate. She gets mad again. And shit. I get a big German shepherd named Pup, and she's mad. And I'm celebrating. Get a big fat cat named Quincy, and she's mad. And I'm celebrating. Have you ever come home, and, and you're coming down the road to your house, and your muffler's dragging, and you puked on the window, and... You're running over the hedges, and the neighbors are grabbing their kids and running, and, and you know, and they turn off John Wayne to come out on the porch and watch Jim. And, and as you stagger to the door, and you open that door, and it looks like you've done some acid. Her mouth is this big, you know. And and my God, the kids are crying, the dogs biting, the cats scratching. Hell, you'd drink too, wouldn't you? Yeah, he doesn't. The methods didn't work. Oh boy. And uh, life's good, Liz. And, uh, you know, I've been on one of them wild drunks, and I come home, and, and I'll never forget it. I, I go through my door, and I'm beat to death. I mean, alcohol acts absolutely just beat me to my knees, and I start up the steps to go to bed. And to start up the steps, I'm taking my clothes off, and I throw one of my shoes over my shoulder, and I turn around and look down the bottom of the steps. And there's my little four-year-old boy and my little three-year-old girl. My little boy looks up at me with them big brown eyes, and he says, Dad, you're a fool. Alcohol one more time went up and tore my heart out. And it wasn't nothing I could do about it. I didn't know at that time that I was powerless over alcohol. My life was unmanageable. I crawled in that bed and I covered up and I cried like a baby. I said, God, please, if I said, God, get me out of this mess. And I meant it from the bottom of my heart. And I laid in that bed and I, somehow or another I, during the day I, I woke up and, and I got on my knees there beside the bed and, and just won. I didn't know what to do. Everybody told me I was crazy and I was losing weight. And my whole life, uh, bill collectors calling, is the whole world was coming down around me. And, uh, you know, when you lose respect of a three-year-old and a four-year-old child, that's bad. That's bad. But that's where it took me the depths of hell. My mother didn't want me around me. My family didn't want to even drink with me. And, uh, you know, you can't get the drunks to drink with you. That's bad. Uh, oh, Lord. But uh, anyway, I, I opened the phone book. And I was going to call a psych ward because they didn't have all the commercials on TV back then that, uh, you know, dial a cab and we'll come and get your we'll take you over here and twenty thousand dollars later you'll be fine and dandy it wasn't it uh, pretty much uh wasn't on the commercials on or nothing and uh so i uh i opened the phone book and there it was alcoholics anonymous 
I mean, uh, and I guess God had answered my prayers, and I dialed out at Oak Street. It's before they had intergroup in uh, the clubhouse down there, and Imogene, a lady, uh, answered it, and she said, I have a gentleman call you right back and uh, talk to you. And, uh, and she did her job. Imogene done a wonderful job. She uh, got a gentleman, he called me right back. Out of an old pay phone booth down there at Oak Street. And, uh, and I'm sitting there, and he said he, he was good at his job. He knew what he was doing. He said, Jim, I'll be down to pick you up at 8 o'clock. He said, we're going to an 8.30 meeting. And I said, okay. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just nervous. My God. I mean, I, you, you know, I had these visions of a big white Cadillac. Not no Volkswagen, a Cadillac. With Alcoholics Anonymous right down the side of it. <laughs> what in the world are my neighbors going to think? Scare me to death, and, and I'm just waiting for this deal to happen, boy. And, I, and in the meantime, though, I'm a con now. Wait a minute. I know who to call to borrow money, and I know who to call to get this novel back. I know who to call, and, and so I call her, and, uh, and I say, hon, and she says, what? And I say, guess what? And she said, what? And I said, I think I got a drinking problem. And she said, no shit. <laughs> We're always the last to know. And anyway, I'm sitting at home, boy, and, and here an old pickup truck pulls up out front, and God, I'm nervous. Because see, my house is like a police station. Just drunks coming and going, and, you know, I'd be at the bar, and, hey, let me buy you a beer, come down to the house later on, we'll move a refrigerator. You know, people, weird people coming in now. And, uh, so I got to get rid of this idiot. This idiot in a T-shirt and a, and, and a pickup truck, I got to get him out of here before the big guy gets there. And he walks up, he is the big guy. <laughs> And we ride down to Oak Street, and he's talking like I'm talking tonight, and he's telling me all these stories. And I thought, now, if I get as bad as you, I'll quit too, you know. <laughs> and he sat me down in the back row down at Oak Street and bought me a big book I still have today, and he wrote in it and uh, a few nice things. And, and he said one thing, keep coming back. And, uh, and I did. For five months, I'd go religiously, and I'd sit in the back row and put the cotton in my ears and sit there, and then I'd run over to the bar after the meeting and drank Cokes and impressed the hell out of everybody. I said, look at Jim go. And, uh, and that's the way I was. And, and uh, needless to say, if you don't uh, use the tools that you're given in Alcoholics Anonymous, you'll drink again. The old Jim will drink again. I do believe that for a fact. And I believe the time and place will present itself. The only thing between me and that drink is God. And when all else fails, work with another drunk. These are things I believe. But anyway, I drank again. Five months sober, five months dry, and uh, the bill collector's off my back. Uh, I'd build a garage and build a car, and, and uh, the mean old wicked woman was off my back, the kids, and uh, life was good. And I drank, I drank for three weeks. I went back out for three weeks. The first week, uh, I was doing burnouts over in the middle of Norwood, and that GTO I'd restored, and it's against the law. They locked me up. The second week, uh, I'm hitchhiking from Frankfort, Kentucky to Lexington, Kentucky, with covered in blood, not knowing how I got there. The third week of drinking, I was uh, in Norwood, and I hadn't bathed, and I was nasty, and, uh, and wanting to die, and wanting to die, because I'd had a taste of the good life. And they, when they say, you'll be amazed before we're halfway through, that's uh, very true. And, uh, and I, I jump in my car, and, and I load a cooler up with beer, and I go over and get me one of them honky-tonk angels, and I draw all my money out of the bank, and I shoot off down the expressway, and as I cross the bridge coming out of Cincinnati and Kentucky, the awfulest thing happened to me, a moment of clarity. Will this cooler of beer last to Lexington? And I, I pulled over a cork and bottle. That didn't take but a second to figure that one out. I got me four gallons of wine, T.J. Swan, easy night. I take off down the road, boy. It's party time for the kid, party time for the kid. 
And we're down there. We got this mudslide down there. You may ask my brother about it. We used to, when we were kids, and it shoots you way out in the river and, and uh, ropes you swing off of trees out in the river and everything. And, uh, and uh, you know, river, river rats, I guess. And uh, we, uh, I took it, and I was sitting there, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and we got some poison ivy. And, <laughs> and we had mud all over us. We was nasty looking. And, and I thought, well, we'll take care of half of this issue. And uh, I put a gallon of wine between her legs and give her a push, and she shoots out that mud slide out in the river, and she's bobbing up and down, drowning. And I look at my brother. He's up in a tree over there. He's on vacation from penitentiary. And, and I, I said, sorry, Billy. <laughs> my brother and my mother's here. You know, Got to keep this thing honest. I, I, I look up at Billy. I said, Billy, what do you think? You think uh, I ought to get her out of there? And he said, nah, let her drown. <laughs> And she's drowning, and, and my buddy Mike, he'd been in a car wreck, and Hood had come through and messed his arm up, and he, he was on some good medication. So uh, he jumped on the mud slide after her. Boy, out there he goes, and they collide, and they both bobbing him down, drowning. I said, oh, shit. You know, so I go to my spiritual advisor again, and he says, hell, I like Mike. Let's get him out of there. So, uh, we pull him out, and, and uh, me and the old girl climb our little rock wall there. We climb on his rock wall, and we lay in there, and... And the mud, the blood, and the beer, and nasty, and God darn, I tell you what, I guess I was probably weighing 140 pounds back then or something, ringing wet and nasty. And, uh, and I'm laying there on that rock wall, and I wake up the next morning, and, and the sun just beating down through the trees. Just a beautiful, beautiful day. And I look over at her, and she looks at me, and you know, and you know, in the 12 and 12, it talks about the key to the doors, faith and willingness, and you get through the door, and, and uh, you know, once you get through that door, I think you. Alive with God, and I believe that day when I looked, that sun was beating down through them trees on me on that rock wall. I believe I found God, and I crawled off that rock wall, and I come back to Cincinnati, and I haven't found it necessary to take a drink since. And if I make it to September the first, that'll be 16 years clean and sober, with no mood altering chemicals in my body. And I got back, and I washed under my arms and everything, and I. And I, I went back down to Oak Street, and I kicked the door open, and I was there to get sober. And uh, boy, the old Bill Brady and Jim, and there just a lot of people, Noreen, and, and all of my friends were there waiting on me. And uh, this time I was dead serious, and that's why I got two, two sponsors today, Jim and Bob, because I don't go bear hunting with a switch. I just don't believe in it. And uh, boy, I thank God for it, because them two have just been on me. Whew, mercy. You know, uh, I was sober a couple of years, and uh, they wouldn't let me do much of nothing. And, uh, you know, and uh, finally after two years, me and my wife looked at each other, and she didn't like me, and I didn't like her. And uh, so it was mutual agreement, and, <laughs> and she left. And I'll never forget watching my children go out of that mobile home. We lived in a mobile home at that time, and, uh, and the tears running down my face, and I hurt. My heart was tore out again by alcohol. It was a, a, it was a horrible thing. But... Uh, you know, I didn't drink. I never had a desire to drink through that incident. And I remember uh, getting the AA meeting. A guy asked me to give a lead the other day, the first guy I ever sponsored. And uh, you know how we forget things, the longer you're sober and through your sobriety you forget stuff. And he said, Jim, do you remember when I used to come over there to your trailer and, uh, and we'd get in my old Volkswagen? And, uh, and, and boy, it hit me. Because see, what it was is, is I had a good job. I mean, I was making probably back in 79, I, uh, Lord, I was, I was making probably $15 an hour or something, but uh, the uh, child support and the bill collectors took it. I didn't have nothing. 
So we're sitting there, and, and I got a Monte Carlo, and he's got a Volkswagen with no floorboards, and uh, one brake, he had to pull the emergency brake to stop, and, and, and one headlight. And he said, you remember we, got, we, we sold my fishing poles, and we got gas in that Volkswagen, and we headed out to Oak Street uh, and had a torch to steam off the window, and, and, he, <laughs> and to keep warm, and he said, we're going down there to pick up girls. And I said, yeah, I remember that. Oh, you ought to see this, boy. We're looking good. Yeah, a couple of years sober. Here we go, boy. <laughs> oh, Lord, how easy we forget, you know, uh, no pain, no gain. But uh, we enjoyed that. That was good old times, I guess, as we go through this thing. And boy, but you know, uh, I started, you get going through this thing here. And, and like I said, that was a troublesome time in my life. And, uh, and uh, we got through that thing and, and got into sponsoring. And, and boy, Bob and Jim, they just whipped on me. I mean, they made me... Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know it, but today I look back, I don't complain a lot. You know, because if you call me one day complaining, uh, your Bob would call me and say, there's a drunk, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, go pick him up. And, uh, and I remember this one time, boy, I'd, I'd, I'd finally advanced. I had a Trans Am, and I was headed to Batesville, Indiana, because they didn't have a lot of care units, and I got this big old drunk with me. And I'm a little bitty guy, and I'm driving up to Batesville, Indiana, and he's hitting on me, and he's going to beat me up and whip me, and... I thought, yeah, well, he put cigarettes out of my floor. And I pull over the phone. I call Bob, and I say, Bob, I said, this sucker here, we're going to have to go at it. And he said, well, Jim, when a baby cries, what are you doing? I said, I ain't changing his diaper. <laughs> he said, get him a bottle. And so I get a six-pack of beer, and I open one, and I hand it over to this mean sucker. And, and he downs it, and he lays back in that seat and just melts down, puts his arm around me. You're the best friend I ever had. <laughs> Woo, oh, my God. <laughs> Boy, life's good. Here we go. I had to do that the other day. Some of you here was there I, over in this big old Mexican was down there at Russell Street, and he wanted to whip me. And, I mean, he's a big old boy. And I was like, God dang, man. And here we heading out to Sharonville, and he's beating on me. I do the same thing to him, and he just slides down the seat. I said, you know, I just told him, I said, guys, make a decision, either whip me, you know, or, or uh, you know, get drunk or get sober. And he said, I want to get drunk. And I said, oh, all right, let's do it. You know, go for it, boy. And it worked. But, uh, you know, this is just the things I've done. You know, and, and Lord, and I remember we was over eating breakfast one time, and, and uh, I'm butter and shaking, and I'm buttering my toast, and I'm putting the wrappers in ashtray. And I don't smoke, so I don't know what I'm doing. I'm putting them ashtray. And, and Bob's sitting there smoking his cigarettes that he dearly loves and enjoys. And he sends these butter wrappers in his ashtray, and he just dumps it in my plate. And, and I'm sitting around there. And I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't understand that. It was, uh, but I remember my mom. When I was a little kid, my mom used to make me go, me and these seven of us boys, and if we misbehaved, she'd make us go cut a switch. And we'd have to go cut our own dang switch for her to whip us. And if we didn't cut a good switch, then Dad would come home and take a belt to our butts. So, you know, it's a no-win situation. But Bob was trying to teach me a little respect that I'd forgotten when I was a kid. And, uh, and I was really mad at him till one day my brother got blew up in Japan and 95% of his body was third degree burns. And from his ankles up was all completely burned. And I'm down there, I ride with my brothers all down to Texas. They fly, 40 Marines, they fly into Texas. And I'm down there, uh, we ride down there in a van and they're drinking beer and I get down there and, and I'm down there and my brother is just horrible looking. I mean, he's burnt to death and I'm crying and I call my sponsor and I say, I really want to drink. I really want to drink bad. And he said, can you wait a couple hours? And I said, well, yeah. He said, I'll be right there. You don't have to drink. Wow, the man that put the ashes in my plate would drive around the country to save me. Amazing, just amazing the love that we find in this fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, it just time after time, incidents like that has happened in my sobriety when, you know, uh, oh, you know it, 
And I made that promise to God and my sponsor before I take that drink, I'd call my sponsor. My little niece, uh, I was talking to her down at the family reunion here a couple months ago, and she had uh, tried some of my mood-honoring weeds. She was smoking some wacky tobacco, and, uh, and I didn't know what to do. She was telling me about this, and uh, I said, I'll tell you what you do. I said, every night, uh, you call me at 10 o'clock, and I said, now you promise me and God you'll call me every night at 10 o'clock, and I said, and don't drink or don't do drugs. And uh, we was talking to her a while ago. She'd come up to hear my lead, and she's got a couple months put together just by calling me. Huh. Amazing. Amazing. Get a little bit of respect back as we stay sober. We rock and roll down this road. Of, I tell you what, it's just absolutely amazing. I was laying on my couch one day, and, uh, and just not doing nothing really special. I, I you know, I, I run around. I always got muscle shirts on. A lot of people paid to see this suit tonight. They didn't know I had one. <laughs> <laughs> I laid on my couch and the, and the telephone rang and I'd been going down to Kentucky on a regular basis and seeing my mom and, and taking her out to Dairy Queen and DQing her and we'd walk up the street and do a little Walmarting and our different things and uh, I didn't know anybody's even paid any attention to me I wasn't doing nothing special and, and the phone rang I answered the phone and a gentleman said uh, this is the district attorney down in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky I thought oh my god they found him <laughs> oh boy and uh and he said, I got a builder down here, and uh, he's got a bad drinking problem. And he said, I don't know what you're doing, but it's working. And he said, I wish you'd come down and talk to him. And that's the guy who told me to leave and never come back. You know, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it works. I really don't. I, I just know if you don't drink and you read a big book, you go to meetings, you probably won't get drunk. Uh, not drinking is vitally important. <laughs> you know. You keep going through this, and you know, after my divorce, I, uh, I, uh, I, I found a, a young lady, and, uh, and we got married, and we was married nine years in sobriety, and, uh, and I thought it was a good marriage for at least eight of them, and you know, I, I, I it's wife number two, and I, I inventoried this thing, and uh, I inventoried this thing one time, I thought, what'd you get out of that? Well, when I met that lady, she had the prettiest little uh, baby boy you ever seen in your life, and I adopted him. And he's 14 today, and I just dearly love him. And it was just, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it's very special in my life today. And uh, one thing is, I was married to her for nine years, and I never cheated on her. Never looked at another woman. And my first wife, I was a dog, and she was a wonderful woman. So, you know, I, I found that I can be a good old boy when I want to be. <laughs> as long as I don't drink. If I don't drink. So, you know, uh, me and Paul Guthrie, we were talking about that earlier. You know, you got two dogs in your belly. A positive and a negative, and whichever you feed is going to get fat. And I try every day to feed the old fat dog, get that positive, just get him fat as I'm getting. And, uh, you know, rolling on down there. I, and I, after the wife number two, I was sitting at home one night, and I was sitting there, and, and you know how you do at night. You're sitting there, and, uh, and you need to be in a relationship. And I said, there, yeah, boy, I need to be in a relationship. I called my sponsor, and he told me to get a grip on myself. And <laughs> Dirty-minded people, dirty mind, dirty mind. Uh, everybody thinks you'll find the solution, don't you? <laughs> anyway, uh, I, uh, I had a talk with my sponsor about this, and the next night I'm going to uh, a father-daughter dance with my daughter, uh, and we're at this father-daughter dance, and I'm sitting over with all these old ugly men, and our daughter's out there dancing, and I dance with her, and God, she's so pretty, she's here tonight, beautiful little girl, and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the reality hit me. I've got a relationship. Look at that beautiful girl and God all I need. That's all I need. And look at my friends. I've got relationships. Tons of them. 
you know, it ain't what I thought. It's completely different from what I thought. But I got them. And I remember, you know, and me and my daughter, we used to horseback ride every evening. And uh, we'd just follow deer and stuff. They couldn't smell you. And, uh, and uh, it was just a wonderful evening as we got to spend together and grow together in my sobriety. And uh, she found boys and the horses left. And, you know, damn it. <laughs> but she's, uh, she's 19 today, and she's just a beautiful little girl. She got a full ride to college and uh, got a wonderful job. She's just, just uh, daddy's little girl. God love her, and she loves me. And, uh, you know, a little brown-eyed boy there, I tell you what, damn him. He got something in his tongue because of an earring. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we have respect for each other. We're riding around today, and, uh, and uh, with the other day we were sitting down talking, and I said, Jamie, do you really ex- respect me? And he said, yes, I respect you. And he said, uh, he said, you know, I'm out here on the streets and stuff, and, uh, you know, and I see a lot of people that are drunk and really needing help. And he said, I give all the drunks your phone number. <laughs> God love him. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> then here comes wife number three. <laughs> yeah, I found her a Rule 62 last year. Yep. I sure did. They run us out of the pool. And she said, I'm in a relationship, but if I ever get out of it, I'll talk to you. And uh, a month or so later, she got out of it, and I run into her over Johnny's Four, and we got to talking, and, and I never let go. I didn't let go. She was on vacation two weeks, and I was with her every day at Sunlight Pool, run off to the Smoky Mountains, and I'll tell you what, <laughs> like a little pig in the sloth. I'm telling you, I love her. God damn. Yes, sir. Love that girl to death. And she, you know what? She had a little nine-year-old girl, too. And... Uh, and we went, we done the Girl Scout thing, and we've done the, you know, the uh, father-daughter bowling thing, and we went, uh, we went to uh, Sunlight Pool and swimming the day before yesterday, and uh, she thinks I'm great. She just thinks I'm great. You know what I'm trying to talk about? I'm trying to talk about respect. You know, you can't go down to Kmart on a blue light special and buy it. Be nice. Be nice, but it don't happen. But I got my family here today with me, and they love me, and I love them. And, you know, my drinking had nothing to do with my family. I come from a very loving family, a very caring family, and uh, it had nothing to do with them. It was nothing to do with no child within. I jumped, jerked him out, spanked his ass years ago. Nothing to do with that. It had to do with Jim. It's Jim. I'm allergic to alcohol. When I drink it, I break out of drunk. You know, oh, hill, Billy Bill, you know, I, uh, it's very dear to me. I, you know, I went on a 12-step call down in Kentucky one time in an old sleeping room, and me and my sponsor went there, and in the room was a, a bed and an old man laying in there, and swollen up and, uh, and uh, couldn't get to the bathroom and it was a sad sight and uh, we got him in the hospital and the only good blood vein in his body was in his foot and that's where they started IV and I watched him over a period of time die and uh, that was that big John Wayne fam- uh, farmer my father and it tore my heart out to watch my dad die from alcohol eating his gut out and, uh, but I didn't drink and I got through it you know had a beautiful niece Vanessa and some drug addict coming to, she was a Sunday school teacher, a cheerleader, had everything in the world going for her. And uh, some drug addict come in the store and beat her and beat her with a ladder that had to have a closed casket. Drugs were that important to him that he needed somebody for drugs. And he beat her, they had to have a closed casket. And me and my brothers are standing beside that casket and we want to kill somebody. And my mom puts her arm around me and says, Jim, I'm glad you're here with big shoulders for the family today. And it all passed. I was there for my family for once in my life. A year and a half later, her dad found her dead, Tommy. A year and a half later, he died from a broken heart. And in his funeral, they played the song, I got a date with an angel when I'm done here on this earth, and I hope to God he's with her today. And I believe he is. You know, and, but through all these times, I never had the desire to drink. 
all the time was tearing my heart out and I didn't have the desire to drink. Old Hillbilly Bill tells a story and he told me one time and he keeps it simple to me and I realize, and I tell this story in every one of my leads. It's about a sharecropper family down in Tennessee. And uh, every year they'd buy groceries at the store on credit. And then they'd sell their crops and they'd pay their bill off at the store. So all year long they'd buy groceries, then they'd sell their crops and they'd pay their bill off at the store. One year they sold their crops and they had a little bit of money left over. They'd always broke even. This one time they had a little bit of money left over. And they were so poor they couldn't pay attention. And they said, <laughs> and they sitting there in the general store and they'd all seen each other, but they'd never seen their self. And they said, what are we going to do? And they said, we're going to buy a mirror. So they buy a mirror. And the mirror comes in, they take it home, and they sit on the table, and they unwrap this mirror. And old dad looks in that mirror and says, God darn good-looking old man. Mom looks in it, wow, looking good. And little Susie, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, looks in it and says, you're cute. Little Johnny, when he was a baby boy, an old mule kicked him in the face, and his whole face was just mangled and tore all to pieces. And uh, when little Johnny looked in that mirror at his mangled face, Johnny started crying. And tears run down Johnny's face. His mother, his father, and his sister looked at Johnny and said, Johnny, what's wrong? And Johnny said, you mean you love me the way I look? And they said, Johnny, we love you just the way you are. When I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, old mule kicked me. And I told you people about the mule kicking me. And I told you how bad I was beat up and mangled. And you said, Jim, keep coming back. We'll love you until you learn to love yourself. I would like to thank each and every one of you alcoholics for loving me back into loving myself. As my sponsor says at the end of his story, I'm not the man I want to be. I'm not the man I ought to be. But thank God I'm not the man I used to be. Love you all. Let's party.